Reggie ATL coming to you from the lovely city of Atlanta, Georgia, going out to Clinton, Indiana, here with Doug Hess. Doug, how's it going? Great, Reggie. How are you? Man, always good. Always good. Better than the people that we're going to be discussing today, I would say, you know, because I'm not, we're not on strike or anything here. You know, we're going to talk right. a little bit about <laughs> the, the, the writer's strike and, and uh, the actors screen act, the, the actors that have joined the writers. So, you know, you had the writer's strike right. and they seem to be, when you look at the two the two situations, Doug, they seem to be some. There seems to be some similarities here, um, with the biggest sticking points being like AI and streaming. Of course, um, yeah. we've been doing we've done AI episodes on this show before, and I knew that this was going to be a disrupting force to a certain degree. And I sure. think that this is some of the the beginnings of it, Doug. Like we're first yeah. in for sure, right? Absolutely. The now, first do you pitch remember any other going. pass in the? Do you remember any anything in the past, Doug? As far as like other strikes, do you, are you have you recalled any other strikes in the past that you can recall? Yeah, there's always been writer strikes and you know actors. Uh, in, in terms of that, ninety five percent of those I'm going to say was probably over pay and uh, better working conditions. Things are a little bit different uh, today. In one regards, um, pay is probably always going to be an issue. Even if I'm the Brad Pitt of the world, I'm probably going to want to make a little bit more, right? And and that's just normal. Absolutely. (laughs) So that's always going to be a sticking point, I I think, that will be around forever uh, for us. But as you, uh, you know, we're talking about is AI. Can some of these studios, especially smaller ones, do it quicker and cheaper with artificial intelligence instead of having to pay somebody to write that's a, that's a good question man and i i feel like it, what i think that it was going to end up becoming mm-hmm. is akin to the, uh, the self-checkouts at your local yep. grocery store or at your walmart right yes um, instead of employing five writers maybe you employ two or three with the help of of ai you know and now you got right. you know just like you have the one self-checkout person who's running like eight registers <laughs> versus no, you, you're exactly you know you're exactly right i literally was in our local walmart yesterday and you're right there was one individual there for six i think six checkout machines and then we, there was i think two that was open that if you had larger items or uh, a cart full that was, um, you know, checking it out. And so if there was six self-checkout and two others, so eight eight aisles and everybody was running through, all of them were, were occupied, but you only had three full-time employees. I mean, Doug, I mean, or, can, can you, is it hard to argue against, right? But we're both pro-capitalist yeah. guys, man, and it's difficult a- absolutely. to argue against that. Absolutely. So it it is. Now, I have a friend who refuses to do the checkouts. He's pro capital <laughs> capitalist, but he refuses the the, uh, the checkout. And his argument is, I'm costing somebody a job in terms of that. So he may stay a little longer in the store, uh, in line, just to make sure that he's giving somebody a job, basically. It's, it's an interesting perspective, man, because 
it, it's it's you would need people to take more stands like that, I think, in order to combat that on a labor from a labor standpoint, right? Sure. Like somebody who's willing to wait a little bit longer, which is the bane of my existence, is to go to a human being at Walmart. And that, I'm going to tell you right now, that's the that's that's not of the life I ever want to live. I've had to go to a human being before. I don't know if people remember here, Doug. Back in the day, going to Walmart was like an adventure, man. Like yeah, going to Walmart down here was like right. you got to be prepared for one Doug, block out an hour of your time hour and a half an hour an hour to two hours of your time needs to be blocked out you yep. go and try to wade through there you got lines that are going back into aisles of the store so you might be in the women's section waiting in the line because it's correct it's back that far right yes yes is there a line doug you think between convenience and saving those jobs do you feel like there's a happy median there between the two because ultimately i go for the convenience if i could save the job i would but ultimately i go for the convenience do you think there's a, a median no there's not because we're ourselves our, our own uh worst enemies we say we want uh to save jobs but we always side with convenience every time or at least nine times out of ten and I'm guilty as the next person. I mean, I, I, I don't want anybody to lose their job, right? We're, I'm not advocating right. that. But guess what? When I went in there for bread and milk and a candy bar or a bottle of pop or whatever I'm in there to buy, I look at the line. And then I look at the self-checkout and I go, I got four items. I could be in a car and home in a matter of minutes. So I'm just <laughs> as guilty as the next person. Uh, in that process. And, and I'll tell you where I think everything really started to go in that direction. And I think you can make an argument that it was prior to this, but COVID really sped things up. Yes. Because I, I remember when COVID was in the heat of the battle, if we can say it that way, mm-hmm. my wife and I would do the Walmart app, pick our groceries, and then have a set time where we would drive over to the Super Walmart, pull into our parking spot, call into the store, say that we, you know, we're here on parking lot six or parking aisle uh, number six or whatever it is. And then somebody would come out. Oh, we'd have our um, windows all up, cars running, and then you pop the trunk and somebody would put them in there for you and wave as they were walking back in the store. And I, to me, that's where it all really, it may not have started there, but it sure got a, a, a good um, head of steam on it. I feel like you are absolutely accurate there. And, and that was in way more, that was in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And what happened was progress, progression got pulled forward. So Correct. when you were looking at what may have taken it, minus COVID, maybe five years to adopt, right, Doug? Right. Minus COVID. Sure. Right. Now it's adopted overnight. Because people, and this happened with delivery services. Before COVID, my delivery services were very minimal before COVID. Right. I would agree. After COVID, they're still a made part of my life. Like I learned that I can get my stuff brought to me and not having to leave my house. And I'd rather do that. If I'm going to be running to work or something, I'd rather have it here. It's at my door before I even go to yep. work, you know, in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. So do you feel like there's there's something can, can that toothpaste be put back in the tube, so to speak? Can we go back a little bit? Or you feel like that's kind of just, it, it's over now. We're kind of progressing as a society. No, I think the genie's out of the bottle. And it's going to be, it would almost be impossible to put it in there. Uh, your major corporations would have to, 
I mean, whether it's DoorDash uh, or uh, they're at Walmart or Amazon, they would have to stop that service. And I just don't believe that that's ever going to happen. You know, we are way too far down the road. And with all the the bad of COVID, if I can say it that way, this is either a blessing or a curse, depending on how you want to look at it. A blessing that now I don't have to go in the store or I don't have to go into a restaurant. I can have somebody pick it up, order it, pick it up, and deliver it to me. The bad thing is we're probably costing people jobs and making the profits of the company a little higher and a little quicker. You know, what's interesting here is there is something else that happened during this time period that me and um, my co-host Nick used to talk about quite a bit during COVID that I, that I told him, like, man, I, it, it didn't necessarily stick all the way, Doug, but I felt like it had sticking power. And that's when they were releasing films directly to streaming. Right. And yep. I told him, I said, you know, it's easy for uh, l- l- let's just take two different situations. You got a couple, no kids. You know, the wind to their back. They can go do whatever they want anytime they want, right? Absolutely. Now, let's go to the family, Doug, right? <laughs> family, you got you to gotta corral these kids. You got to get them out there, get them into the theater, pay a million dollars for your snacks and concessions. Um, well, get them to sit still for that couple hours, right? Um, well, It's a bigger reach for them, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. I know for us, you know, a family of four, first of all, the biggest challenge is making sure all four of us want to see the same movie. That's ah, one hurdle. About it, Doug. I can't even yeah. do that with one person. <laughs> and then there's, we have two boys, and then we have to make sure they want to be seen with us, uh, you know, in public, because it's not cool to be seen with mom as and dad. They, as they the age, movie. it's going to become a problem. As, it's going to become a abs- problem for them, Doug. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little easier to get the youngest one because he can't drive to, to at least kind of, you know, we could we could twist the arm a little bit there with him. But the older one, you know, he's gone, you know, he's driving. He'll 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 do whatever he wants to do. But, um, yeah, I, I think, again, with COVID, it was a mixed bag. The companies or the movie studios had to get new movies out. They had them in the in the hopper. They had to get them out because they had to make money. Okay, it was mm-hmm. almost impossible to film, and you had so many restrictions on you. Things got delayed. They had to have that revenue coming in. Flip side of that is it's great with streaming. So now all four of us in our house can be watching something separate. You know, it wasn't like the old days that you only had one. The bad mm-hmm. part of that is now I don't know a lot of people that go to the movies. I'm not saying that people don't still go to the movies. But it's it's easier for them to watch it on streaming or wait for it to come out than it is to actually go to the to the um, uh, movie theaters to do that. I think this is going to become one of the things that's because that's one of the things that that was a sticking point before prior to this mm-hmm. strike. I want to say that that's the main sticking point, but the main sticking point does appear to be streaming now. Yeah. One of the things I can say that I would just witness, and you can go on the social media and see this and see a lot of this, and, and I'm going to use Orange is the New Black as a mm. uh, as an example here from Netflix, sure. great Netflix show, Netflix original, um, versus airing on like a show like Fringe or something like that, Seinfeld, you know, some right. one of these shows that's uh, equivalent to the popularity. That's because Orange is the New Black is a very popular show. Right. You got a very popular network show. Now, the way that these 
shows get paid and it, I had an actor friend kind of break this down to me and he did a pretty good job breaking this down. And the Orange is the New Black, like a couple of the actresses that were on that show have shown their paychecks. And I'm telling you, Doug, you, it, it's, it's less than an hour. It's like 20, $27. <laughs> so one showed a check for $27. And I was like, oh my God, uh, getting paid since um, in comparison to what the residuals would be on a network show. Okay. Sure. So that's one thing, trying to figure out where where that point lies. But my actor friend told me that he was like, Well, Reg, we would do an, and I'm gonna throw out a number. He used sure. ten thousand dollars. I'm gonna use that same number. Sure. He said, Let's say that a show airs in North America or in the American market, and I get paid ten thousand dollars for that show. Okay, right. cool. He said, On the network, if that show aired in Australia, I get paid another 10 grand. Right. But every in every new market that it kind of emerges is I get paid again. You know, it emerges in a new market. He said with streaming, that's just out the window altogether. They, so that once, goes from ten thousand to zero. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ouch. So he was like, that's a major, major sticking point. You know, them trying to kind of figure out how do you how do you get these bigger corporations into streaming? Because there are uh, people that are in these corporations, of course, you know what they're going to say, Doug. They're broke. They're, you know, you know how to say it. Absolutely. We're not making anything. We're making, yeah. we're, we're poppers here. We're, 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 we're not making anything. Um, and meanwhile, your company's worth almost like, you know, seven, eight hundred billion dollars. Right? You know, you have a, right. some astronomical, astronomical number. Right. And which we'll go through the, the, because that, that's a good and there's a good and bad to that, because a lot of these companies and let's just use Apple as an example. Right. Apple, uh, three trillion dollar market cap could buy a right. country if they wanted to. Right. Absolutely. The problem is, is Apple TV or whatever their media portions of that company is aren't necessarily contributing to the bottom line as their products. These are companies that do a lot of different things. It's not necessarily like a Netflix. Right. It's just content is their business. Right. Um, Versus these larger corporations like a Disney, because Disney kind of fell into this um, with Bob Iger having some people going at him. They're not really excited oh, yeah. uh, uh, about him. So, yeah, some people going at Bob Iger here and they're saying, hey, look at what you get paid, man. You're getting paid millions of dollars and we're getting scraps here. The, right. the issue is, is that these companies, at least with Disney and with Apple and some of these other major companies, they do other things, Doug. Right. right. So it's kind of like. They're diversified a little bit. They're they're so diversified, right? If I'm making money from parks, I'm making money from other things, selling merch and stuff of that nature. Um, how much money and attention can they really devote to these these other efforts in their company? You know that that's going to be uh, the million dollar question. And I also think a lot of these other companies are going to have to learn to diversify a little bit. Uh, and I. But I also think they're going to have to concede a little bit on on the money as well, uh, because as popular as streaming is, um, and that's what the public um, expects at this point, I just don't think a lot of these companies are prepared for it just yet. They're still under the old mindset of we make a movie, we ship it out to the movie theaters, that's where... Uh, everything's going to go and then at some point in the future we're going to turn around and put it on dvd or the old vhs etc and then maybe put it in streaming so i think companies are going to have to come around uh to see 
that the old way is not going to work moving forward. How long do you think that will take, Doug? That's the million-dollar question. You know, and I think this is the first step in this process um, because I think the actors and the writers um, are, are, I'm going to say, up to here with it. You know, they've had enough. And I think some of them are willing to um, hold out as long as they, they possibly can. Uh, now, at the end of the day, we're going to have to wait and see who wins. Does the companies have the money to hold out, or can these actors and actresses and writers, can they afford to hold out? I think that's going to be interesting. I just don't think the movie studios uh, are as powerful as they once were, nor do they have the capital. So this may be something that gets resolved relatively shortly or, or quickly, Compared to it was in the in, in the past, just because I don't think the funds are there with the movie studios as they once were. You you bring up an interesting point when the with the studio versus the big because you have so many now these major companies that are getting into streaming business like your Apple, right. like your Google's, right? And these companies are massive. These yes. are massive businesses. Um, they can purchase. Five ten of these studios, right. <laughs> and not and write it off. It could be like a tax yeah. write off for them. Um, I I don't envy the actors here in this in this fight because if you're going up against, let's say you're old strike and you're going up against a Paramount or maybe even a Time Warner because Time Warner is pretty big. Let's say you're going up against one of these companies, right? Okay, that's one thing, right? But then going up against like a a company with a market cap that's like near a trillion dollars good luck with that like because they can just sit on that forever for 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 an eternity and wait you out you have so many members right are they really incentivized not to doug right right absolutely really incentivized not to do it just out of the kindness of their heart or in hopes that stuff just gets released maybe that's maybe maybe with public demand with the advent of social media putting a little more pressure doug it's possible, but I, I. But at the end of the day, um, how many people on social media really feel sorry for the studios? Oh man, right. And the, the fact too, in piggybacking off that point, is the people, and this happens with athletes, Doug. Right. You know, you you can have an athlete who says, "Hey, we're 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 not playing, we're locked down, and we're looking at you like, guys, you guys make twenty, thirty million dollars a year, just go out there and play the game." But yeah. here's the problem. That owner's making two or three billion dollars this year. <laughs> right. And, and what's funny is you got the billionaires versus the millionaires. Yes. And we're and and both sides are feel like they're getting cheated. And we're sitting there going, We're not in either one of these leagues. We just want you to go ahead and play the game, you know? And so um I think that's a little bit how people feel with actors and the writers. I understand they're not making um, nearly what they need to be making. I get it. I agree with them. But let's let's face it: the average Joe on the street—do they really get it? Do they really understand that? Yeah, there's a few actors and actresses that are making million dollars, but some of these smaller actors and actresses—they're getting paid. You know, they may be lucky to make forty, sixty thousand dollars a year. Lucky. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and yes, I would love to and at times be able to change places with them and, and and think that you could go down in movie cinema history as 
somebody that, you know, when it's all said and done, that it'd be considered breaking news on, you know, on, on certain things. But at the end of the day, it's hard for people to feel sorry for some of these individuals because perception is reality. And then in their mind, the everybody's a millionaire or, or a billionaire, whatever the case may be. And in reality, that's far from the truth. You know, it's it's interesting because one of the the, the actresses that was on Orange and New Black is she spoke about how um about how the the juxtaposition of her being famous, having to stop for pictures on the street and stuff like that, and people thinking she's rich, and she's like, "I'm not rich. Right. I don't even have health insurance." Is what she says. She's like, "I don't even have health insurance. And right. I'm getting stopped for these pictures all the time, and people feel like I'm rich, and and right. they're not. You know, um, I don't know. Fran Drescher from the Nanny. I'm not sure if you ever watched that show back in the day, The Nanny. Oh yeah. Fran Drescher. She is the. Um, I don't know if she's like president of of. Um, I don't know if I don't think I don't know if it's SAG, but I don't know if she's president, but she's one of the representatives. She's like the, one of the faces of the the actors on the other side of this discussion. Right. One of the things that she brought up, which is an excellent point and, and, and interesting, just to kind of calcify what we're talking about here. And she said that most of our members don't have health insurance. And she said to have health insurance in this business, you only need to make twenty seven thousand dollars. So let's let's go over that. That means right, that most that people aren't making $27,000 cuz most of them don't have health insurance. Most of them aren't making $27,000 in that business. Is that crazy or what? Absolutely crazy because you're looking at the top when we're looking at the Tom Cruises of the world, right? Or look at the right. oh, yeah. near jetting off to San Tropez or someplace. You're looking like, "Hey, I'm not going to feel sorry for you. You're not going to be picketing from San Tropez, picketing from your yacht, or, you know, right. we're, we're, that's the way that we're all thinking of it. Right. But at the same time, right. there's such a residual effect here, Doug, because it's not just them, right? It's the light guys. It's the audio guys. It's the guys with the cameramen, right? It's the guys, your, your, your blue collar workers, which my friends, I consider them blue collar guys in this business. Like they, they do sure. have big paydays at times, right? Sure. Sure. But they don't come frequent enough to be like rich, you know, they, they can live comfortably. They can have a comfortable life, but they're not these guys that are raking in millions of dollars. When an act, when a work stoppage like this happens, it's kind of in the studio's favor, right? Because Absolutely. the studio can say, Hey, listen, these guys got to get back to work. And uh, if you're a Tom Cruise, you can stand to not make another movie again for the rest of your life. You're, you're, you're going to be good. But if you're at the bottom of that scale, you have an actual job that you now cannot show up to. Do you think that puts more pressure on the studios to settle or more pressure on the, the guilds and the kind of unions to settle? I, unfortunately, I think it's on the unions to settle because uh, the studios, yeah, I, I would hope that they feel bad for some of these individuals. But at the end of the day, it's business. You know, it's nothing personal. It's strictly business um, in, in the process. And number two is most of these studios probably have several movies already in the can. And so they're still going to be releasing them. There may be obligations. I don't know. I'm not an attorney. I have no idea that uh, if they come out with the premiere, let's say a, a movie's supposed to come out next week, are certain s stars and celebrity, even though they're on strike, required to come out and support the new film? I don't know. Somebody a lot smarter than me would have to be able to tell me that. But let's just say they did. Let's just take the argument's sake and, and they did. What's the studios care? 
they got these individuals by whatever, and they're right. forcing them um, in that process. Uh, so, I, unfortunately, I think it's more with the unions and the trade uh, than with the studios to settle this. Uh, I'm not saying it's right. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. It's just at the end of the day, uh, it's probably going to be the worker bees that's going to have to, once again, work this out. Unfortunately, right? Getting the yeah. the short end, short end of the stick, so to speak. Absolutely. You know, another thing was the AI was a sticking point, Doug. So, and one of the things that that Fran Drescher brought up, which is very interesting, was being able to scan. So, let's say Doug, me, and you get cast in the background of a movie. Mm-hmm. The way that they have it now, or, or or what's being pitched, is they we do the movie once, we get our hundred dollars, two hundred bucks to do our stand in. They scan our face and use us be able to use our likeness in perpetuity without paying us <laughs> of one cent again after that. Right, right. Um, what was funny from the studio? What's funny from the, the I, I read yesterday uh, a studio response, or at least their one of their responses to it, which was absolutely ridiculous. One of the studio responses, uh, one of the company responses, I should say, was something to the degree of, "Well, they we we asked them first, so to speak. Like you you got to sign it." First, right. you know, right, and I'm like, but if you if you ask a person and say you're not really asking if you're not going to get the job, right, Doug? So if if, right. if your job is on the line, are you really asking them? No, you're basically telling them, right? I, it's I this, think so. It's this or that. I mean, I guess I could see a little bit where the studio's coming from is saying that everybody's got a choice. We didn't put a gun to your head. You don't have to do this. But at the end of the day, let's let's be realistic. Right. We don't have to, but there's a lot of things I do that I don't have to do. I do because yeah, I'm taking care of my family or it's on my bucket list or it's something that I'm really passionate about. And unfortunately, sometimes we will hurt ourselves in the process uh, just in order to be able to achieve something uh, that we want um, that we want to achieve. I feel like that's one of the reasons why these unions are so important in sports and entertainment in particular, right? Because oh yeah, these are jobs that are very high sought after and studios can just say, Hey, I'm just going to, I'm definitely going to find somebody who's going to sign this contract. Uh, eventually, right. uh, I'm definitely going to find somebody who wants to play this game, this position. Eventually I'll definitely find somebody who wants to coach eventually. Right. You know, you, you, you know, that you're going to find somebody who wants to do these jobs because they're highly sought after jobs. Um, and they still do pay better than, than average on some of these jobs. Right. So then the right. unions really need it so that teams don't come down or the leagues don't come down and just dictate whatever they want at that point, because the leverage naturally is in their favor. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely does. And that's why, you know, years ago we, we needed the unions to come in because they provided safe uh, working conditions, wages, child labor laws, etc. So these are necessary organizations because without them, we'd be in a lot different situation than we are today. And so they are needed, but I think at the end of the day, um, it's, you know, money, money talks, those studio heads or those that have the money usually went out or get a lot of what they were asking for because at the end of the day they got the money and the worker bees i keep saying that 
uh, they're the ones that, uh, yeah, they're like, well, I can do this for a while, but it, you know, at some point I've, I've got to cave and go back to work or find another job. Oh man. And you, you know, what sucks about finding another job in these businesses, Doug, these are lifelong businesses for these people in sports. Yeah. A lot of these people start playing in their, when they're kids, four or five, right? So you, yeah. you spent your whole life preparing for this moment. And when these actresses, dancers, singers, uh, writers and stuff of that nature, a lot of these people do it for a whole lifetime to get to where they are. So it's kind of right. like, are you just going to drop that, become a plumber? Or what, 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 what do you do? <laughs> well, well, I think you're exactly right. And some of them don't know what to do because this is all they've known throughout their whole career. You know? Uh, so, uh, I, again, I feel sorry for them. And I believe that at the end of the day that, uh, you know, uh, th- there's going to be some tough decisions that's going to have to be made, and I don't envy uh, those writers, actors, actresses, etc., because they're fighting the good fight. They've got a reason to be fighting. Um, I-, I-, I just hope they can make some uh, headway. I- I- I'm hoping that this just doesn't drag and drag and drag. Remember there was a strike in 2007, and there used to be a show yeah. – and, and there's a few shows that, that came on around that time. One show was called Heroes. It came on around 2007. Yep. And, and, and I don't know if you ever watched Lost and, and stuff around that yep. time. Um, and some of those shows, it especially Heroes, in, which is kind of like, it represents that strike of 2007 because it never recovered after 2000. It never right. recovered after the strike. It, it was The show was on top going into the strike and pretty much out of here coming out of the strike. Um, I'm yep. hoping that we don't have a lot of damage like that. To, to, to some shows and certain things because life changes you know people change life changes um that strike show that you just can't put any writer on shows and have it you can't just right. change them and have it be the same success you know um so i'm hoping that some of this stuff does get solved expeditiously so that there's less damage done to some of these IPs and stuff like that. You know, so many people have already were right in the middle of recording some of these shows, Doug, and that's right. We had to walk off sets. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, but I'll say if, if there is any silver lining here and I'm trying to, to find a silver lining, if I don't know if you recall, but during the uh, COVID, uh, obviously a lot of companies could not make films. And mm-hmm. what, what happened was there was the rise of a lot of these side studios. That's what I'm going to call them. Uh, mom and pop industry. And they made a lot of horror movies. And the reason they did that is because it doesn't take a lot of acting. It doesn't take a lot of uh, script writing. It doesn't take a lot of money to make something like Halloween. Now I'm not comparing some of these movies to the classics like Halloween or the, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But a Blair or, Witch, uh, though, that's, right. comparable. that's exactly very comparable, right? Yes, that is exactly what I was getting ready to say next. Is And then you saw some of these. I mean, they were like number one in the box office. And it was, I don't know, I'm making something up here. Uh, you know, uh, the Atlanta Murders. I don't know, making making something up. But they were making like, you know, $40,000, $50,000. They were number one in the box office. And a lot of these went straight to drive-in theaters because people could be spread out during COVID. And that has a feel with this, if this lasts very long, where there may be, again, 
some expiring actors, actresses, directors, uh, uh, writers that may get a little bit of a break. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to be the next Steven Spielberg or anything like that, sure. but th they'll have their 15 minutes of fame. And, and I'm trying to look for a silver lining in all of this. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that that they're they're hoping there's some silver lining as well, you know, <laughs> right, I, yes. because they don't want to be out of work for for forever here. And, and right. with some of the sticking points being so so large, like the AI and perpetuity situation, they're trying to find a yeah. way to kind of work that out. They're trying to find a way to work out um, things like breaks and and stuff like yeah. that are being told. Uh, actors, like I'll give you one, like self-recording. If you're a self-recording actor, because that's kind of what my friend is, he he self-records for, uh, for for films. Like they call them, it's like saying, hey, Doug, we want you to do this football film. Um, it's filming. We, we want you to send us a tape of you self-taping and we'll send you the lines. And they might send you 30 pages to memorize by like tomorrow for you to self-shoot it and then send it back to the studio on their timeline. So some of that stuff is longer timelines, less pages sure. to shoot, maybe being compensated to a certain degree for those efforts. Cause they can land you nothing. Um, right. Stuff like that. You know, the, the, the little details that have to be kind of worked out. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure that, that Fran Dresser and company are going to be under uh, immense pressure from their, from their uh, union, the union workers oh, under them. Who are like, hey, I got to go back to work. I got a wife, kid, family, you know, whatever. I got to go back mortgage. to work. Yeah. Right. Who's going to you know? pay my mortgage? Yeah. My rent, whatever the case might be. So here's the hoping that this does get uh, settled soon uh, and hoping that we don't have to do another subject on this, but we will be back to do it, Doug, if we, if we have to. Appreciate you taking some time here. Reggie, uh, it's always a pleasure to be on with you. Thank you. You got it, my friend. This is Regin ATL. Check us out. Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. See you next time.